Well, if you're like me and you've been around a while, not too long, but a little bit of a while, um, you might be feeling that way a little bit about our country right now, right? Like, man, what, what happened to the country that I grew up in? What happened to the, uh, the, the discourse that we used to have compared to now? Because our country's changing, and I know that um, many of you know that, but it's like our technology has changed our culture and our country for better, for worse. We're in an unbelievably affluent period in our history where, where job creation is at a peak and unemployment is at the lowest in decades, um, yet the issues that we face, they seem more difficult. They seem more divisive and unfixable than in recent history. It seems like we're further apart now than we, we have been in a long time. And the divide in politics um, is really uh, so disheartening and difficult to, to, to watch and stomach and be a part of at times. Um, and so you're here on week two of our series, um, Five Surprising Things That God Loves. And, and I'll just tell you the reason we're doing this series is because um, when you get to know what someone loves, you start to get to know them. You start to get to know their heart. You start to get to know the way they think. You start to get to get a peek into their soul just a little bit. And it's the same with God. The more we can know who he is and know what he loves, the more we can get to know him and understand his heart and understand kind of where he's coming from. And so that's kind of what this series is for. Um, and so last week in five surprising things God loves, is we talked about laughter. We just talked about how God is a God of joy. Um, God wants to fill your life with joy, more joy than you believe possible. He wants to give that to you. And, uh, and so if you missed it, I just want to tell you, uh, go back and watch last week's message and you will for sure get a laugh out of the deal um, because we had a phenomenal time. Um, and so this week, what's interesting about this week is we're almost going in the opposite direction, right? Like, don't you think? Um, it, it's kind of like we're talking about something that not many people like to talk about and um, not many people want to um, hear about. And it doesn't bring much joy to the table when you bring this subject up. And so uh, let me just ask you now, uh, how many of you guys like to be liked? How many like to be liked? Just be honest, you're in church, right? Um, uh, I like to be liked, okay? And so the, the hard part about today is where we're going today, uh, very well, you're probably not going to like me much, okay? Because we're talking about a very, very divisive issue. But I want to help you today, and this is what I want to help you do. Um, I don't want to help you think the way I think. I don't want to help you um, believe the way that I believe. Um, I want to help you navigate an incredibly divisive culture in which everyone seems to be trying to get us riled up against each other. Um, you know, the political landscape, it is more heated, more divisive than I've ever remembered it. Um, you know, I thought after the 2016 election, things would simmer down a little bit. Mm -mm, no, it has not simmered down. It's actually heated up more. The, opposites, uh, the opposite has kind of happened. And so, um, as many of you know, uh, we are still in the middle of our election that happened last week. There are still votes being counted. Did you know that? They have to be done by noon today. Uh, so hopefully we'll know. We'll know then. And it's funny because the first time this happened in Florida, the state of Florida, was in 2000 with Bush Gore. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you remember that election very well, what happened afterwards in Florida. But the name Chad really stopped being used as a person's name after that um, whole election cycle. Um, but I remember living in Michigan at the time and thinking about, man, what is wrong with those people? People down in Florida, goodness gracious, can't they get their act together? Well, now I've lived here for nine years, right? So now I'm going, what is wrong with us? Like, can't we get our act together on this deal? Um, and, and so I want to just say, unlike last week, um, there are no jokes today. Um, I don't approve of political jokes. I've seen too many of them get elected, okay? Um, all right, it'll get you. It'll get you in a second. Um, uh, that was a joke. Okay. Okay. Um, 
So today, I really want you to walk out of here with a level of joy uh, that a political party can't give you. And uh, that's kind of the direction I want to go in. So let me pray for us before we jump in. Um, God, thank you so much for this morning. And um, Lord, I thank you for, for um, our country. I thank you for politics. I thank you for politicians. I thank you for government. Um, they're all things that you created. And God, I just pray right now that you would just uh, help us hear your voice. And, and I thank you for a place to have common ground where we can talk about difficult things and realize that you speak into them just like you do everything in our lives. So help us to hear you first and foremost today and um, help us to respond uh, to what you tell us in your holy name. Amen. So um, the census after the 2016 election, um, if, you're, you know, if you remember that one, uh, not too far distant, and it was a crazy one, um, but the consensus after that was th that 100% of Americans thought after that election that 50% of Americans had lost their mind. Like that is what the way the election went. And what's really fascinating is la after last week, do you realize that hasn't changed? Um, Eight million people in our state voted, and the two biggest races are within like tens of thousands of votes of each other out of 8 million. It's absolutely crazy. Our country is almost split in half. Um, yet what you find is that when you talk to real people, is that we're not as divided as the, the culture and the media would have you think. Um, in fact, let me just give you five areas where there are less than 15% of disagree disagreement on in our culture. And this is by many polling of, of tens of thousands of people um, in the areas of race, religion, education, and gender. Um, there is less than 15% difference in opinions over all five of those. Yet, when you get to politics, um, here's the difference. There's an actual, actual chart here for you. Um, we are more increasingly divided today than starting in 1994. Like, that is crazy. Look at all the other five topics that we talked about. They have kind of basically stayed the same, except for politics. And so with social media now, you can say what you want from a closed room, and you don't have to look somebody in the eye, which tends to make civil discourse more civil if you're looking somebody in the eye. Um, you have a lot of adversarial relationships that we hear about all the time. You have Fox versus CNN. Um, you have red versus blue. Um, you have donkey versus elephant. Um, I learned last service, because I didn't quite know. I would have had to been, been guessing. I think the donkey is with the Democrats, and the elephant is with the Republicans. I think that's the way that it turns out. And so I I want to offer some perspective today on the backside of voting last week, and I want to share some thoughts of a pastor in Cincinnati that I really respect. His name is Brian Tome. Again, one of the few things good to ever come out of Ohio. Um, uh, my, my wife and I met in Cincinnati, so that's another two good things. That, the Schaefer's, that's three good things that came out of Ohio. Maybe the, maybe the Hills. Hills, yep. The Hills are like, we're from Ohio, and you're claiming that publicly. Good for you. Um, uh, but, but anyways, uh, I want to, I want to take us to say, if you, if you are, if you ever are from Michigan and you know anybody from Michigan, you get what just happened. We just, we, basically Ohio and Michigan are like the Republicans and Democrats, okay? Uh, especially in college football. Um, but I, I want to take us to a story in the Old Testament about a guy named Joshua. Um, Joshua, he's taking, uh, the Israelites into a new land that was promised by God, the promised land. And he's going to have to fight for that land. He's going to have to go and battle for it because there's already people occupying the land. The army that he's going up against is incredibly formidable. Like they're, they're, they're a good army. And Joshua is just trusting God on this one. He's like, God, you're telling us to go, so we're going to go into battle. And as he approaches his first battle, um, Joshua actually gets a visit from a spiritual entity. Um, an angel shows up. And an angel is basically God's Navy SEALs. If you want to know what an angel is, it's God's Navy SEALs. It's not a fat little baby with wings on that like tries to make people fall in love with like suction cup darts. Okay, that's 
not an angel. An angel is God's Navy SEAL. That's what you need to think, except for a lot more powerful. Um, and so these, the spiritual warrior shows up in front of Joshua and, uh, with a sword, and Joshua thinks, oh my God, this guy is on our side. I hope he's going to fight for us. And you have this interaction that he has with this angel in Joshua 5, 13. It says, now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army. I love that. The commander. He's not just like one of the Navy SEALs. He's like the lead Navy SEAL. The commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals. For the place where you are standing is holy, and Joshua did so. And, and so you may have missed this in here, um, but Joshua asked this angel, Are you for us, or are you for our adversaries? He actually asked the political question that everyone seems to ask today. Are you with me, or are you with the enemy? Do you vote the way that I vote, or are you with all the stupid people? Like, that's kind of how we, we kind of see that. Are you with me or my enemies? And so when Joshua says this, and he's asking this, you've got to look at his perspective. It is God that told him to go into this battle. And you would think that the angel would say, of course I'm with you. God sent me. You would think that Joshua, being obedient to God and going into this battle, um, you know, and, and that he's leading God's chosen people, that this angel is obviously on their side. Just as I hear people on the left and on the right say, well, well, we're right. We're in the right, so therefore God's on our side, and he's against you. We say that we're, we're pro this, we're pro that, and God is pro this and pro that, and so therefore he's anti your party. So Joshua had a really good hope of God being on his side. He really did. He had a great hope of going, man, this guy's got to be on our side. But the angel answers him and says, no, 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 no. I'm not on your side, and I'm not on their side. And what does he say? He's like, I'm on God's side. I'm on God's side. So you got to know this. Is God red? No. If, if, if you're red, he's not on your side. If you're part of the blue party, the Democrat party, is God blue? No. God's not on your side. God is on God's side. God is on God's side. And so what does Joshua do? He gets recentered. He realizes that he has made it an us-them thing, and he falls down in repentance. He realizes his mistake, and he repents. He falls to his knees. He worships God. And so that's my hope that today, that people of Kensington, that some of us will fall to the ground and repent to God for the level of divisiveness that we have allowed in our hearts toward people that aren't like us, toward people that have different beliefs and who are in a political party that's not ours. Because what's happening in our country is we are acting more and more like the other side is our enemy. Like that's where we're getting to. It's not just about a difference of opinion. It's now, no, now you're my enemy. And I'm going to battle you. And I'm going to do everything I can to make you look bad and to raise up me and to raise up what I believe and what I think is the right thing to do. And that's where we've kind of gotten to. So that's where the title of our message comes from. God loves purple. Last week, God loves laughter. This week, God loves, loves purple. Um, what color do you get when you mix red and blue? That's what God loves. God loves it when we come together. God doesn't love it when we treat each other like enemies. God doesn't love it when we stand the ground and draw our line and fight. 
God loves it when we come together and create the color purple. And so this is what I want to say. We can't be married to the agenda of the donkey or the elephant. If you're going to follow Christ, you can't be married to the agenda of the donkey or the elephant. We must come together and be married to the party of the Lamb. And so I want to introduce a third party to you, or a fourth party, or a fifth, whatever you believe. Jesus Christ is called the Lamb in Scripture, the Lamb that was slain to pay for the sins of the world, to pay for all sin once and for all. So that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. He died for you. The lamb gave up his life to be a sacrifice for you. Whether you're Republican or Democrat. No matter what you believe, no matter where you fall, in the aisle, side of the aisle, or in the middle of the aisle. Jesus died for all who believe. And as long as I lead this church, I'll just say, as long as I'm the leader of this church, we will never be a Republican or Democrat church. Ever. We just won't. We'll never be a red church, we'll never be a blue church. We will be a purple church where people from both sides live and worship and serve God in harmony. Because that is what he's called us to do. And I just got to tell you, I talk to all of you, we have a very diverse political makeup that's sitting in the room right now. And so I just thought we'd just show everybody what's up. So Republicans go, I'm just kidding, I would never do that. <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> War! I'm like, no, we're not going to do that. But we have both sides of the aisle sitting here and people that believe very strongly that their side of the aisle is the right side of the aisle. And so I will just tell you, if you're here for Republican church, you're in the wrong place. If you're here for Democrat church, you're in the wrong place. But if you have come here for God, then you're in the right place. Like, that's it. That is what we're about. That is who we are. Our culture is obsessed with our rights and our happiness. And I will tell you, Jesus is about giving up your rights and pursuing holiness. That is what Jesus is all about. Jesus chose the cross. He chose to lay down his life instead of pick up a political crown. I don't know if you guys know that. We're the party of the lamb here because we're called to see everyone transformed and mobilized by Jesus. And what does everyone entail? Everyone. It's all of us. We want to see them what? Transformed and mobilized by Jesus, not transformed and mobilized so they vote right or they draw people to whatever side you're on. It's transformed and mobilized by Jesus. I love how Paul says it. Paul, um, he's, a, he's a kind of the founder of the church in our part of the world, um, you know, radically saved by an encounter with Jesus Christ. He says this, he says in scripture, to the weak I became weak and to the strong I became strong in order to reach some for the cause of Christ. So we do the same because we want to reach all people with the gospel. And I will just tell you, the moment that you put out on social media and you make it very clear where you are politically, let me be really clear here, um, the moment you do that, you cut your potency in reaching people in half. The moment you put yourself out there politically and you make it incredibly clear where you stand, the amount that God can use you. It's cut in half. The amount of people that you could bless with your life is cut in half. The, kind of, the amount of people that you could love on is cut in half because your voice into their life, you just said, if they, you don't agree with me, you're the enemy. And who's going to listen to their enemy? Nobody. So when we do that, you've got to realize you, that doesn't mean don't have convictions. That doesn't mean um, that don't believe strongly uh, because things need to change in our culture and pe God uses people to do that. But don't do so at the cost of your witness for Jesus Christ. Because the only party that's going to last for eternity is the party of the Lamb. I don't even know if the Republican Democrat Party lasts another decade or two or three or 50 years or 100 years. But I do know the party of the Lamb is going to be here for a really long time. So don't cut your potency in half by putting it out there on social media. 
making it really clear where you stand and that you have an enemy and that you're against a certain group of people because you can't, you won't reach them. God can't use you for that. And I'll just, I'll just, let me give you some examples. Jesus never talked politics. He never did. He never talked about the pressing issues of the day. He never talked about the policies of the Roman government. He never talked about the policies of the United States. He talked about the preferred reality of the kingdom of God. That's what he talked about all the time. He never once made a political statement about the culture and said, this is what you should do and this is how you should believe and how you should view politics. There is just, there's one time that Jesus mentioned Caesar in scripture and it's in the midst of a financial discussion. And I love how he answers this because they were asking him if, if they should pay taxes to Caesar because they were doing everything to get Jesus to announce what political side he was on. They're like, if he says, well, you got to pay, you know, you should pay your taxes, that announces he's on one side. If he, says, if he says, you should never pay your taxes, then that puts him on the other side. And so this is what he says. And I love that because they want him to say, don't pay taxes because then they have them. Then they can, then they can go after him. Um, he just says, well, give me a coin. Just give me a coin. And, and, and then he takes the coin and he shows it to him. He says, well, who, whose image is on the coin? And they're all like, well, Caesar's, Caesar's image is on the coin. And then here's his response in Matthew 22. Then he said to them, so give back to Caesar what's Caesar's, and to God's what God's. Uh, who's that? Caesar's? Okay, well, we'll give back to Caesar what's his. And give back to God what is God's. And this was his opportunity. He could have totally said, look, this guy's a terrible haircut. Don't vote for him. Like, he, this guy wears stuff on his head, like leaves on his head. That's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. This was his chance to talk politically. He could have said, this guy's policies are the worst. Don't give him anything. He could have, th that was his moment. They had him talking about government for a second. But instead he goes, well, whose image is this? Well, then if it's Caesar's, give it to him. But really what he says in that moment is more powerful than if he would have chosen a side. And this is what you've got to really realize what he's getting at. He's actually asking a bigger question to the group that he's talking to and to you and me. He's really asking, whose image is on you? Whose image is on you? God's image is on you. Whether you're left or right, whether you're right in the middle, you're created in the image of God. God's image is on you. And Jesus is saying, then give back to God what's God's. Give back to God's what's God. If, if God's image is on you, then give, give God all of you. That's really what he's saying. Give God all of you. His image is on you. And the question is, who has your heart? Is it the kingdom of God or the kingdom of man? Is it the kingdom of politics or is it the kingdom of heaven? It doesn't matter whether you've accepted Jesus or not. God's image is on you. And it's freeing to operate as his and to be his. So the kingdom of God is about what? Bringing people together from the left and the right, which means we need to meet in the middle somewhere peacefully. That's why God loves purple. He loves it when Democrats and Republicans and all the other colors in between come together and don't see each other as the enemy and have discourse and conversation because he said in Matthew 5, 9 in the Beatitudes, Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God, not blessed are those who make a stand for the truth. You know, blessed are those who, who win and lord it over everybody else. Blessed are those who know the right way and tell everyone how to vote for it. No, peacemakers have a title. Uh, and Jesus gives them a title, children of God, because that's what children of God do. They're peacemakers. And when you look at Jesus, he didn't rescue us by taking political power with a sword. He actually gave up his power. 
And he saved us by taking nails in his hands. That's how he saved us. Jesus always pointed to another kingdom, the kingdom of God. He said the kingdom of God brings peace and hope, and no earthly kingdom can ever do that, but God's kingdom can. Jesus valued people over policy all the time. So we need to meet in the middle. We need to become a place where purple is the norm, and we can talk with people with different views. And as a church, I'm just telling you, uh, we will never give up on bringing people of divergent views together for Christ, where we can love and respect each other and have conversation, even if we disagree. Because you can disagree respectfully and meet in the middle. In fact, Brian Tome, he actually calls it um, uh, the, the radical middle because no one seems to want to go there to talk. He's like, we need to be in the radical middle because nobody wants to enter in and have a conversation that's, that has a little bit of heart and listening ears so that we can hear each other. Everyone wants to draw the line and stand over here and, and throw stones and, and create um, conflict. And let me tell you how we do this. Why, uh, why can we create a place where we can have discourse and conversation that's not adversarial? It's because if you're, a part, if you're a part of the party of the lamb, where is your hope? It's not in government. It's not in the Republican or Democratic Party. If you're in the party of the lamb, listen to Matthew 6, 31. Jesus is talking. He says, well, don't worry. So don't worry. Saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Which means what? Find your hope in God and his kingdom. And God will take care of you, not the government. God will take care of you because it really comes down to faith. Is God in control? Is God still on his throne? Like in our country right now, is God still in control? Even though things seem crazy. Is God still on his throne or has he like taken a potty break for a while? Is he still in control? And this is what you need to know. And I love this. If you look deep enough into this, you will see this and it is so blatantly clear. Um, Jesus, when he was condemned to death on the cross, he stood before the most, most powerful political man of his time, Pilate. And it appeared that the religious leaders and, the, and Pilate and their political agenda had won the day. That's what it looked like um, because the religious leaders, they wanted Jesus executed because he was threatening their power. Pilate didn't want to lose control of the Jewish people and look bad in Rome and lose his influence. And so what you need to understand is Jesus came in and without saying a word about politics, he completely upended the political balance and was threatening to upend the political landscape of power and influence in that entire area. And we don't really realize this all the time, but it was a political um, hotbed that Jesus entered into. There's political reasons that Jesus was put on the cross. The religious leaders needed their control. Jesus was threatening it, take him out. Pilate needed to keep control of the, and make the, give the religious leaders what they wanted so they wouldn't overthrow him and he would look good with Rome. So he gave them what they wanted. It was actually a political mess that they find, found themselves in. And through that, God was still on the throne and his plan prevailed. Because think about this. Through the political maneuvering of the religious leaders in Rome, they put Jesus on the cross. And through that, what did God bring about? Salvation for every one of us in this room. Think about that. Through political upheaval, when it looked like Politics had won the day when it looked like evil, corrupt government officials were going to win the day. What did God do? Brought about salvation for every single one of us. 
God reveals a plan in that that no one saw coming. And he ends up actually overthrowing uh, the government and a political system, not by force, but through love and sacrifice. And so let me just tell you, you don't think God's in control right now? You don't think God isn't on his throne? I think he's right where he needs to be. And I think he's still in control. And so I want to give you... um, Two options on how you and I can live our life and view our politics. Um, Before we do, we're going to receive our offering. And so, um, ushers, if you guys can go on and come on down. And let me just say, if you're here and you're visiting, um, let the basket go by. We're thrilled that you're here. Thank you for joining us today. We hope to see you again soon. Um, Thanks for visiting with us on a a holiday week. Um, For those of you that call Kensington home, this is where we really thank God for the blessings that he's given us with our resources and finances. And we give back to him a portion of it as a way to say thank you for giving me what I have, but also as a way to say, hey, I'm on mission with your purposes and your kingdom through Kensington Church. And so I want to just thank those of you that give um, here on services and also online. Um, There's a lot of you that give online and just thank you for that. That keeps us on mission and moving forward. Um, So let me give you two ways that we can... um, that we can live our life and view our politics uh, and, and just give you the choice. Um, option one is we can live with our eyes on government and policy and hope in that to help us and our country. And when we do, there's an output that comes along, and that is this. If your eyes are on the government, you're going to be filled with anxiety. Guaranteed. I watch and I read the news every day, just so you know a little bit about me. Um, I, and I'll, I'll, ad, I'll admit, kind of like the guy in the, in the monologue here earlier in the day, I didn't vote until I was 28 years old because I didn't think it mattered. I didn't care. And then my, some, for some reason, 26, 27 years old, I know I'm 30 now, but it was like a few years ago, um, 20, 27, 28 years old, I started paying attention. I started reading stuff. And I'm, I'm just telling you, I haven't stopped. I, I, read, I read news every day. Um, I, watch, I, watch, uh, I watch the news. I read it every day. I watch and listen to both sides. And I'm just telling you, it gets me going sometimes. I mean, it, 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 it fills me with all kinds of emotions, um, skepticism, cynicism. I get angry and outraged at some of the stuff that's going on in our government, some of the stuff that's going on in our country. And I will just tell you, if that's the only place I looked... If that's where my eyes were always focused, I would be full of anxiety, fear, and anger. That is what my life would be about every single day when I sat down to read the news. But there is a second option that I, I wish every day um, more of us would do. And don't put it up there. You're going to wait, wait for me. I'll tell you. We'll have the big reveal, okay? Um, uh, every day, you can be in God's word. Every day, you can be reminded who God is and who you are and how loved you are. Every day, um, you can talk with him and he hears you. Every time you say his name, he hears you speaking and he answers. You can focus your eyes on Jesus. And you know what happens when you focus your eyes on Jesus? It equals this. Peace. It's just peace. You can focus your eyes on the government and you will be filled with anxiety. Or you can focus your eyes on Jesus. And he will fill you with peace. And so let me just tell you, policies are important. Um, Laws are important. We need them. Politicians are important. We need them. But none of it is is as important as faith. Belief that God keeps his promises and can be trusted. You know, that's what faith is. Belief that God keeps his promises and that he can be trusted. And I will just tell you the only reason, and I love this part. You just gotta, like, just go with me here. The only reason we know the names of the religious leaders in the story that we just talked about in the first century is because they were a footnote in the story of Jesus. 
the only reason we know their names is because they were a footnote in a much grander story, and it's the story of Jesus. And so let me just tell you, get involved in politics. I'm all for that. Um, uh, You know, that's a part of our incredible country, Um, but don't fix your eyes on it. You know, if you fix your eyes on the political system, you will lose your joy, won't you? Won't you? I, I'm telling you what, I, there's moments every night that I lose my joy sometimes, that I, just because of what I read. And I'm just like, oh, you know, I just can't, can't believe it. I'll lose my joy. You'll lose your peace if you focus your eyes on, on the government. You'll you lose your ability to hear other people's opinions and actually talk about stuff that are people that are different than you. You will lose your impact and your influence on the people around you. And so what do we come together around? We come together around one thing, and that is Jesus Christ. He's the one place we can agree on and find common ground. In fact, what Scripture says is when you have two people who believe in Jesus, it says that they have everything in common. Two people that believe in Jesus have everything in common. Let me explain that. There's this great passage of Scripture in Acts 2. Um, it's right in the middle of the story of the birth of the church as we know it in the first century. The apostle Peter Lead, lead disciple of Jesus. He was the, the disciple that walked on water. Um, he got up and he spoke to a large group of people and he just basically said, you need to repent. You, you just crucified the Messiah. He actually resurrected from the dead. Over 500 people have seen him and you need to, you need to repent and turn towards, towards Jesus. And the Bible is very clear that 3,000 people on that day believed in Jesus. It was the start of the church and it started like with a bang. 3,000 people in one day the church grew um, from all walks of life. And that's what you don't know. We don't always realize it was from all walks of life and every political party were in the crowd listening to Peter talk and they accepted Jesus and then you have this wonderful period of time where all the believers they ate meals together they they in, in people's homes they sold what they had and they gave to people in need and there was this amazing joy and hopefulness and they had the favor of all the people around them and then in the midst of that you have this one passage that has always stuck out to me I'm sorry for 22 23 years since I've, I remember first kind of studying and reading this this story of the birth of the church. It's always stuck out to me. It's always something that I've always kind of resonated with. It says this in verse 44, all the believers were together and had everything in common. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Well, what does that mean? It's like when you are in the party of the lamb, Jesus and him crucified and resurrected on the third day to purchase salvation for everybody. If you have that belief in common with someone else, you have everything in common with them that will matter for eternity. Now, just think about that for a second. If you have two people that can believe very different things on the political landscape and about life and about different, different, um, different issues. And they both believe in Jesus. And that the door to salvation is through a relationship with him. Then they have everything in common that will matter for eternity. Which really is everything. Because whatever party you're a part of that's not the party of the Lamb won't matter someday. So you have everything in common. And that's what I love about it. It doesn't mean you have to be the same and everybody has to believe the same. But it does mean that when it comes to Jesus, that's where true hope and true peace come from. That's where your hope for a better future comes from. That's where peace in God uh, to be truly in control. That's where you get the mindset that no matter what's going on in the political climate, if God can use the political climate of Jesus' day to bring about salvation for mankind, God can use the political climate of our day and age to do something that's beautiful and wonderful for all people. Because that's what, that's what that moment brought about with salvation for all people. 
You have hope in God and in a future in heaven. It's peace in knowing that here is temporary. Where do you find peace in our political climate? Here's temporary. We're actually, if you're a believer, you're a citizen of a different world. You're a citizen of a, of a different uh, kingdom. It's the kingdom of heaven and God's kingdom. That's what you're a citizen of. Here is temporary. We need to model that for our children, that that's where true hope and peace comes from. Not a politician, not a certain form of government, but the true king who points us and leads us to a more powerful kingdom, and that's the kingdom of God. Do you know the main thing Jesus was about? Getting people to God. That is what he was about. He never argued people into the kingdom. He loved them. He loved them into the kingdom. And that's the main thing we need to be about. That's the main thing I hope we're about is loving people into the kingdom no matter what party they're a part of, no matter what ideology they, they lean towards. Our goal is to get people committed to the party of the Lamb because it is driven by sacrificial love and calls those who are a part of it to be driven by sacrificial love as well. So God loves purple. God is on God's side. We are on God's side, and he loves it when we meet in the middle. And we make the main thing the main thing, and that is Jesus Christ and him crucified and resurrected from the dead to bring about salvation for all of mankind. Let me pray for us. Jesus, I thank you for today. I thank you for the opportunity that we have to just talk about difficult things and, and, and things that, you know, people walk in and realize that's what we're talking about. It's, it's just, it's, it's a little scary because there's so much heat around our politics today. And so God, I thank you that you um, were apolitical. I thank you, Jesus, that when you were here, you didn't pick sides, that you were on God's side and that you call us to be the same. And so God, I pray for us right now um, who are here in this room, Lord, I pray that you would um, help us to dial back some of the anger and, and maybe even the, the hatred of the other side that, that can take root and, and really pull us down a path that is, is not healthy for us, God. So I, I ask that you'd help some of us dial back. Lord, I pray that you would help some of us in the room dial up our commitment to you and our relationship with you. Um, and God, I pray for those who are in the room right now that, that, that don't know you, but maybe today is their day where they invite you into their life and they choose the party of the Lamb the party that will last for eternity. And God, I just pray for anyone that's right there on the doorway of accepting you. Um, God, you, you are knocking on their heart and they know it in this moment. Lord, I just pray for them and I pray for you if that's you, that you would just open the door and invite Jesus in. It's that simple. Invite him into your life to forgive you, to save you, and to walk with you from here forward into eternity. So God, help us create an environment in our church that's purple where very diverse political opinions can find common ground in you and have just good conversations that aren't heated but where we listen to each other and we love each other even though we disagree respectful disagreement is okay in your kingdom and so God thank you for this morning to talk about this topic as difficult as it can be and I pray for our country and I pray for our politicians and I pray for us that you would lead, guide, and take us where you want us to go. In your holy name, amen.